The scripture reading for today is John 10, 1-30. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I, the Father, are one. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. <clears throat> As we continue through our sermon series in the book of John, one thing that stands out in this passage is just how possessive the Lord is about his people. For those of you who have been in, quote, possessive, relationships or possessive anything, there is a lot of negative feeling and fears that go along with being possessed 
or run or controlled or own or bought or sold out or locked away or carried along. Negative, yes, unless we are talking about what can be stolen and harmed and damaged and demeaned or abused. A possessive parent of an infant who can't care for themselves can be a good thing. In the sense, in that sense, possessive is synonymous with caring and being rightly responsible. Jesus is possessive because he values his people. And because we as human beings can get lost and taken and deceived and possessed by what can harm us. Because we are, like this passage says, like sheep. It was God's choice description, not mine, but it means that we are vulnerable, defenseless, crowd following and don't know why cliff running off of, can't see well on our own, not the brightest in our case because of the effects of sin. We just want to get full and find the next green field without knowing or considering its dangers. Like sheep is what it means to be human in this world. And for, the, and for that, God the Father sent his only one, God the Son, Jesus, into the world to personally shepherd God, God's sheep, which means you and I must follow. We must believe. We must trust him as the shepherd, as the one who personally opens the way to eternal life, who personally calls his people and who personally cares for his people, who personally opens, personally calls, and personally cares. The picture and illustration of God's salvation and care for his people that Jesus gives would be a clear and vivid one to the Jews back then who were very familiar with the sheep industry. To help you, I want to, you to envision what they knew. Imagine a big pen with brick walls and they had briars on top of the wall. That was their barbed wire back then. To keep thieves and robbers out, that pen had one door, one gate with a gatekeeper who, would, who some believe would become the door with his very body laying across the entrance to guard the sheep. But the point that we need to see and Jesus was making was that there was but one genuine, true, and real way to get sheep into that group. And then out into pasture, through the door, by the gatekeeper. All other going in, but especially out, would be false, wrong, stealing, and ultimately lead to the death of the sheep. Because there was only one legitimate, true way in and out. Jesus says this, beginning at verse 1 in our chapter. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure speaks Jesus used with them 
but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And his point to them and us is this. He personally is the only way to eternal life, to being God's people, and to receiving the benefits of being God's people. Jesus saying this, if you desire to be right with God, to being God's people, there is no other way, no legitimate means, no other doorway, doorway known and given to humankind, but trusting and believing that he, Jesus, is the door, is the Savior sent from heaven. But if by any chance anyone considers or finds themselves feeling right with God, or feeling godly with your relationship with him, and you have not, or they have not, explicitly, meaning calling Jesus alone in the possessive, my Lord and Savior for my sins, they are like stolen sheep out of a pen who have been taken and deceived. There is no security in standing and living right with God as his people outside of coming through the gate and the door, which is Jesus Christ. But not only coming into the gate, but Jesus also says this in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There is not a sheep, I'm sure, that ever lived, that did not know what it meant for that gate to open out. It meant food time. It meant running around free for a while. It meant laying down and drinking water and enjoying each other. It means, as Jesus put it in verse 10, the thief cometh, comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. It meant abundant life, life, eternal life that God offers. It means the grace benefits or the benefits and blessings of God's grace for his people beginning now on earth and going beyond into eternity. Which goes back to this. There is no grace benefit. No God benefits. No purely healthy, good-for-your-soul-in-life benefit outside of Jesus living life and taking on and taking in life and joy and so-called happiness outside of Jesus and a relationship with him as your Lord is in this world is bound to be either bait from the devil, as he says, or sin-laden and driven, and thus will ultimately rot your soul and destroy you and steal you away from the good, abundant life of God. And it does this by deceiving us that we are doing well and running things well without the Lord being central in our lives. So I think it's important to clarify what Jesus meant when he said abundant life or life abundantly. Because let me tell you something I learned about sheep. Like their cousins, the goat, sheep will almost eat anything that looks like green grass and then believe they are getting nutrition, right? So I want to be clear to you that wealth 
and riches and fame and happiness and less suffering and all those things a lot of the morning preachers on TV promise you on this earth is not abundant life that Jesus is promising. Jesus has not promised those things. So oftentimes you have these so-called shepherds coming in, promising the sheep that there's green pasture on this side, somehow without Christ or alongside Christ, or, or Christ is the, the, your, your co-pilot, and you can get everything you want, but that's not abundant life. The Scripture is telling us that abundant life comes when Christ is leading the way according to what he truly has promised. So what has he promised? Joy, peace, perseverance, holiness, access to worship, assurance of God loving you despite everything else. He has promised, and most importantly, that you will live past death, that you will be resurrected and renewed and your, your heart staying focused and hopeful to that end. The promise of heaven that in this life the Lord is filling you. Now get this, he is readying you. By giving you grace not to be eaten and destroyed and condemned and slaughtered, but readying you for eternal life in heaven with God. And Jesus, right now, in this world, is taking us to his grace, to the fields, to the pastures, in his word, in his worship, among, in prayer, in, in, work, in, in fellowship, in the sacraments. And those things allow us to know and see and experience God that will free us from the bondages and fears of this world. I don't know how you got where you got or why you got to where you are in your life. I don't know how you feel good or why you feel fine about yourself or your life. But it is not the abundant life of God, if you're not doing or getting it through Jesus. He is the gate. He is the door to life right now. So for those who believe or will come to believe in him, through him, good news for you from this scripture. You have full access to the grace and abundant life of God for his people through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You don't have to look for another way. You don't have to find another gate. You don't have to find another theology. You don't have to look for another book to read. You don't have to guess and wonder, God, how do I get abundant life? How do I make this life I'm living every day, every minute, every second? How does it make sense in, 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 in this whole eternal scope of things? You don't have to worry anymore if you go through the gate that is Jesus Christ. And God's people, the sheep of his fold, the people who come in and go out through Jesus do so because Jesus personally calls his sheep as the good shepherd who knows his people and whose people know him. Look at verse 3 through 5 again. To him the gatekeeper opens, talking about the shepherd of the sheep, to the sheep 
hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then down in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then jump down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, I want you to take another look at this sheep pen thing in your mind. There were two types of sheep pens available. They had exclusive pens. We're okay. One group of sheep were in there, you know, and you all knew, everybody knew that in this pen was only one, the sheep owned by one person or one group or whatever. But they had pens where there was lots of sheep in there. A community pen. Different herds could be put in all together, and then the shepherd would come, or the higher hands would come out and get them out. I guess they had a brand on them, a mark of who this sheep belonged to, or in some cases, a hired hand would come, and he'd bring out like two or three flocks of sheep belonging to two or three different people, and they'd all go out and eat together. But Jesus takes it further. Because he's teaching that he is a good shepherd and that he has trained sheep, right? Because in contrast to the practice of hired hands, having hired hands call your sheep in and out, that's the owner of the sheep, possibly having never laid eyes or lead his sheep with them not knowing him or him knowing them, Jesus saying that he is not only the owner of the sheep, the Lord of God's people, but he is the one who comes in person to call them to himself so that they can only be his sheep if he knows them as his sheep and he does know who are his people. So Jesus can look at the Father, God, God, the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God can look at and see in the mass of people Some huddled in religious circles, some acting like believers, some just trying to do good things on their own power with church kind of being a good place to hide out and be good and do community service. And these people can be in the same community, at the same functions, at the same place, have the same morals, vote for the same people and live in the same time in this life. And Jesus already knows who are his. They are not blind to him him. In fact, he says in verse 3 that he calls them by name. God knows you who are his and will be his by name. Get this, among the billions and billions of people on earth and who have ever been on earth. So Jesus, as a good and God shepherd of his people, has come to this world to get and call those whom he knows. The Bible has this term to it, foreknowledge. Romans says this about foreknowledge, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What does this mean in short? 
that God knew you. He knew your name. He knew you as his before you knew him. And this knew you means that he chose to love and put his affection on you before you or I could know or would be able to know his love and affection. Jesus is saying, I come to this world as one who is executing on that knowledge. And when I call, I call to those I know who are mine. And for that reason, they know me too and follow me out. Pastor Brown, you reformed? Yes. The scripture's teaching? Yes. That the reason, the only way anyone comes to Jesus is because he has known and loved you before you could have ever known him. He knew your name before you could ever name him and claim him Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is the incredible and awesome work of God in, a sa- in saving a world that is all mixed in together. And the danger with sheep is that they all look the same sometimes. And they can even bear some of the same markings. They can look similar and then the behavior can all be very sheep-like sometimes. But Jesus, for you believers and those who would believe, saw and knew you from and in eternity past to call you in the present to be saved and sanctified for a glorious future. And so that's, that's why people follow Jesus into the faith and follow him out into this world and out into a life of living for him because they hear the voice of one who has known them from a way back, one-way love relationship. I had a weird experience this week, was meeting with someone whose voice and mannerisms reminded me of one of my first mentors in ministry. They're like from the same part of the country, so they had the same accent. I sat there. I caught myself kind of being mesmerized, like living in a moment that was not there but from back there because of this man's voice now. Well, if you ever had that experience, when Jesus calls you to follow him and be his, it is like hearing a familiar voice in the present from a time past that mesmerizes your life and heart forward and into obedience. Jesus speaks to you from a knowledge that he has of you that has been manifest in the present. And the Bible says here that his people know his voice and if and when and because they do know him, when he calls they follow. Look with me at verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. They can't understand what he's saying. They don't understand what they're call- he's calling them to. They can't understand. They think Jesus has a demon. They're hearing him as a demon-possessed man. Let's make that clear. Jesus answered him. He told him pretty plainly, I'm the door, right? I'm the way to salvation. These smart theologians could put it all together. 
but it's not about how smart they are, right? Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. I told you, right? You heard it, and I'm right here. I'm telling you, I'm the Savior. I'm God coming to flesh. You can't get to God but through me, and all of you Pharisees caring for God's people without coming through me are thieves and robbers and liars and stealers. You know, I've said it plain and clearly, but you can't believe. And he says this, the words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and what? They follow me. Jesus is challenging the Pharisees and and the haters of him by declaring, if you can't believe in me, it is because you can't hear me. And if you can't hear me, then chances are you are not mine. Why? Because remember, I am the good shepherd. I am God. I know mine. My voice is not ineffective. If I'm God and I call, it's not because I'm confused. It's not because I have a demon. It's not because I haven't made it clear. It is because God has a speech impediment and he can't get out what he wants to say. The problem is you're not mine. So you can't hear me. And so you can't follow me. I know mine. Joyce Jesus saying, my voice is a mistake when true and real. And I don't call to those who are not mine and they not hear or come. Jesus saying, there is no mistaking it. If you don't follow the outward cry of the gospel of the presentation of me, then you are not my people or not yet my people. To know him doesn't just mean to recognize the words of Jesus. The Pharisees recognize the words. Some of them had a photographic memory. They knew exactly what Jesus said, because remember later, they go and report it so they can kill him. They heard him. They got the words down. They, they could dictate what Jesus said. So it's not just about hearing him. Knowing means has an execution and necessary response to hearing. So knowing me. My dog, Brandy, won't listen to just anyone, but when I say kennel, she runs right in there. If you say kennel, she might look at you. Who are you? You don't feed me. You don't care for me. You don't pay high vet bills for me. You don't want to kill me because the vet bills cost too much. I always know, you know, if, I, if I'd go ahead and bury my dog, kill him because it costs too much, the sheriff's not going to come looking. No detective. Sometimes I have to remind my dog of that. And my cat, when they disobey, you know what? Plastic bag. See, see you know, CPMD, they ain't coming looking for you. Behave. You're an animal. We'll grill you up. Sorry for you animal lovers. It's true. I, I eat animals. Mainly cattle and poultry. Okay, I'm getting way off. Lamb, sheep, just kidding. Okay. Sometimes we enter our house and Brandy doesn't even bark because she knows us by hearing us. 
Knowing the voice of Jesus, especially for blind and hard-headed sheep, is a key to their life. They're being able to access the benefits of God's grace, not getting led astray or injured. Knowing him and his voice means that God has brought you and me close enough. Hear, hear me now. He has brought us close enough and opened our ears and hearts supernaturally to hear him and obey him, to listen to and follow him. It is what knowing God or being God— being the people who know God means given what God has revealed about himself and us in our relationship to know him. So what? We can follow, trust, and y'all hate this word, and obey Jesus. To be led where he wants us to be led. To do what he wants us to do. And if you don't want to or refuse to obey or think Jesus crazy or worse or completely indifferent to the voice or words of the, of the Bible or the commandments of the Bible, you must ask yourself why. You know, we always put the onus on, you know, it just ain't clear. Either you are not Jesus's. Well, you are. You need to turn up the volume. Increase the volume of the voice you know and recognize as your Lord's. And that means increasing the frequency or numbers or intensity of ways you can hear from him and be led by him and held accountable by him. It means increasing the volume for us elders who lead you to make sure that people who are called as, as hands to care for God's people with Jesus are doing it according to his heart and direction according to his words. Turning up the volume means to be in fellowship with other saints, at Christ Central Church, we have community groups, so get an accountability partner who also hears from Jesus. Give yourself to the worship of God and the Word of God. Turn up the volume of the grace of God and turn down the volume, let me tell you, of who? Especially your own voice. The, you know, the I know what is best for me, you're the only one piping in and know what's best for you voice. Turn that down. Turn down and away from the volume of stuff that makes you possessive, right? The relationship you and Jesus has, which means the relationship you ultimately control. Turn down the anti-Christ center talking head. Some of you have advisors all over the place. I do too, and I need to turn them down. What? Do entertainment, certain songs, certain personalities, music and movies and TV shows that touch you, that get your feelings but are not, let me say this, but are not the explicit voice of Jesus. And some of us have no screen either, you know. We're watching everything, no Jesus screen, no Jesus shepherding protection coming straight into us, and we're wondering why we're lost. Turn that stuff down. And turn your ears if you have to. Turn your head. Repent. Turn away. Turn up the grace. Turn down what seems to free you to run away from the rest of the herd. Let me explain something. If you are a renegade sheep, this individualistic Christian who only understands you, you're the only one who understands you. God even misses you sometimes. You are in grave danger and not free 
like you think you are. If you are in a flock, a church, and you can't hear the voice of the Lord, find a church or flock where you can. If the volume's too low up in here, I know a lot of good churches. I can help you. If you can't hear it here, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. Please go. Sometimes we can't hear for various reasons. It it ain't that Jesus is not speaking to his people. He is the good shepherd. He will keep speaking to those who he knows and call them to come to him, and they will come because he personally cares for his people. Now, here is something revolutionary going on in his text, what Jesus is describing here. I mentioned it earlier. But part of the culture back then, the owner of the herd was not always and rarely the one who actually cared for the sheep, right? It's like the CEO of, 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 of Bank of America, Wachovia, being at the teller, right? Working the teller thing. Hey, here's your cash. Maybe he would do it, you know, for one little PR thing, but not really. The owner of the herd, it was rare that he was the one who actually cared for the sheep unless he didn't have a lot of money or something. But in fact, shepherds, hear this, when Jesus talked about hired hands, were like the security guards of the day, right? Not the police, the security guard, the rent-a-cops, right? The, the ones with the flashlight, the second shift low on the totem pole, don't even have a gun or a real police academy education, yet they are hired to protect the big bosses of community sheep. A hired health shepherd was not required to protect the sheep in the case of a fierce attack of an animal against something that would take his life. No sheep hired hand willfully died for the sheep only if by accident they got in the way of a lion and his meal. Well, Jesus says this about himself, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because what? I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. You know why being a hired sheep hand was a low-life job besides being around a a bunch of feces, path-laying stupid animals? Is this. Because it is plain out dangerous, man. Out in the dark, near the woods, a shepherd, a hired hand, is walking food around. Right? A shepherd is a lamb chop away from being beat up or killed by a wild animal or a thief, or robber, somebody family's hungry out there, right, who comes in the middle of the night out of the woods or himself eaten as an extra side to a mutton extra value meal, right? That's why it's crazy to be a shepherd. They don't give you a gun. They give you a flashlight. In fact, they don't give you a flashlight. Back then, they gave you a staff and this oil lamp. All the makings of a stupid horror film. What's that out there? 
You in between food. Oh, you in between food and a lion. Simba is hungry. And Mustafa too. Get this, Jesus saying God became a shepherd. God became a shepherd. He came to be, though, a shepherd who was like a hired hand, but not just any hired hand, but as the owner of the sheep who loves the sheep and calls him by name and therefore willfully lays down his life for the sheep. He knows that there are spiritual forces and sin forces around the sheep that will cause them their life and separate them from right relationship and blessings of God. And so he anticipates it. And because of the plan of God to save his people, the scripture says he willfully, he willfully, no flashlight, no gun, willfully put himself in the way of our sin punishment, in the way of the devils and demons and evil of this world and evil in our heart. The Bible says he alone has authority to lay down his life. It means that he is God's official and only Savior of humankind. Only his blood was shed exclusively for those who were his, who were called out to be his, and who he foreknew and predestined to be his people. In fact, the Bible says, behold what the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. For those God foreknew, Jesus was the only one the only one who could and was able to die for the sins of his people. He alone had the right. Get this. Jesus is possessive over his sheep, over his people. And so he is possessive about his right and calling to lay down his life to save them. Jesus took possession of being the Savior. He stood in the way of our sin punishment on the cross on purpose. He owned our sin as the owner and lover of those whom he knows by name so that we could be made and then kept right with God. The penalty due us as sheep who stray and only think about our stomachs, who choose to be ignorant and love to lead others off the cliff or jump off the cliffs ourselves, that stuff was put on Jesus. And Jesus says, put it on me, not them, not that person. I am the good shepherd. I want to die for my sheep. I'm the only one who can. God became a shepherd in Jesus to rightly be the sacrificial lamb so his people could be the sheep of God's flock. The Bible says after dying, he had authority to take it back up, to rise again, not to be a dead Savior who simply took away sin, but as a Lord who can protect his people and keep his people as they live on earth. God in Christ became a shepherd in the open and dangerous fields with, this, with his people to save them. Let me tell you, Jesus did not leave that responsibility to save you and keep you and make you gods to anybody else because nobody else could do it. Coming as the good shepherd, Jesus promising to not lose any of those who are his. Let's look at this finally, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the Father of one. God has decided that those who are his would stay his and not be lost in this world. 
so that all that the Father gave him, he would watch over and care for as and with the same heart and value as the Father who knows the sheep. You ever hear those possessive songs? I remember when I was in love, I used to play them possessive songs. You about to break up, play the possessive. I'm sorry, I'm kind of a corny, you know, drama king. I'd rather die without you. I can't live if living is without you. Jesus decided to not live but die because he didn't want to ever you to ever live without him. Ever. The Bible tells us that there are thieves and robbers in this world, and spiritually it is so true that the devil in a sinful world wants to take and pull you away from the Lord. You are sheep. Away from us, grip and care and trust, and Jesus is declaring, no one, I mean no new religious falsehood, no debilitating sin, no demon or devil, no sickness, no condemnation, no suffering, no injustice, or no thought you have about God that aren't right as you go through that hard time will ever be able to snatch you out from his love and care. He will not lose any that are his. Look, we do stray. We do get discouraged. Believers do wander and wonder and muse on the greener pastures. I almost do it every week, man. Those folk out there having a good time. Here I am trusting Jesus. They driving the same car. What's going on? Some of y'all just putting along. Got it on the gospel station. My God, going to provide all my pop, pop. You got to wonder, Lord, I ain't in the pasture today. I'm looking over this dude driving by in a nice car. Without the baby seats ruining his leather. With no McDonald's fries in the little crevices. We so want more than what God is giving. We sometimes put the headphones of the wrong stuff on. We think no one understands, and even God seems clueless. We get it wrong. Sometimes we are just sheepish. We can be so stupid and silly and love to live on the edge and on the cliffs. Our lives are messy and disorderly and stinky sometimes. Hear the good news. He will not lose you if you are his. Like a possessive relationship that is good, you ain't going nowhere without him. He doesn't trust this world, and he doesn't trust you. Yeah, that's right. Jesus, thank him, doesn't trust us. God don't trust his people. You're a flirt. As long as you're in this body, you are a flirt. I'm a flirt. Yeah, Christians flirt with all kinds of things, right? And God is like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't going nowhere without me. 
He refuses to leave or lose us flirts. Jesus, even when we might lose sight of him in a dark and cloudy time in your life, he will not lose sight of you, and he sees all you can't see in that dark. If he, if, if, if you have to go, if, he, if you go in and out of that door, if you have been called to know him and know his voice, he will not lose He is the good shepherd of some not always good people in a very bad world. He is the possessive Savior.